Amen. He is almighty. And let me begin today by just saying, Guten Tag. Yeah? No? All right. I got it. I asked Liz, did you Google it? Is it Guten Tag? All right, whatever. Well, I am so glad that you are here this morning. If you want to start by grabbing your Bibles this morning, we are going to continue on our series, which is called Inclined. We are teaching ourselves to long for the endless immensity of the sea. And that's what we're, we've been doing as part of this series. Um, really what this series is about is it's about the spiritual disciplines. Um, but even as we dive into and are talking about the spiritual disciplines, um, I, I'm just transparently, as we were working through and thinking through this, one of the things that I just felt uncomfortable with is that especially in the American church, we have a tendency to reduce our faith, Christianity, to, um, to really just uh, these disciplines, like praying, reading your Bible, going to church, worshiping, like that's our faith. But it's so, so much more than that. And so even as we're diving into a series on the spiritual disciplines, it's so important that we keep in mind the end right? And so if for whatever reason you missed the previous weeks of this series, I encourage you to go back and actually listen to them, especially if you missed the first week of that series because you were in Germany. Go back and listen to it because if for whatever reason you missed it, if you don't have the end in mind, if you don't know the motivation, if you don't have that piece of it grasped, then a lot of times we can go through the actions, we can do the motions, but if we miss the end, if we miss the motivation behind it, then we can miss the point, right? And so that's, that's really where we started. We started with the end in mind. We started where we should have ended. We began with here's what we're working towards with these spiritual disciplines. So if you missed two weeks ago, go back and listen to it on praise.fyi. Don't miss it for that reason because I'm convinced of this of the enemy. We do have an enemy of our souls, okay? And that enemy is constantly working, but we're not unaware of his schemes, okay? And if he cannot get you to stop doing what you're doing, then all he'll do is he'll shift his focus and try to change the motivation behind you doing what you're doing. And I think that that's, if not as dangerous, it's more so. Because a lot of times we can be going through the motions and if we've lost the motivation or the reason for doing what we're doing, we think everything's fine and we're doing all the right things, but we're doing it for the wrong reason. And if we're working towards the wrong end, then the enemy's already won, okay? So, so in this, I really would, even as we're diving into spiritual disciplines that are spiritual disciplines you've heard about if you've been a part of the church for any length of time, you've heard about these going back to Sunday school, right? Like we're talking about prayer and reading the Bible and worshiping and gathering together as a church. And as you talk about those spiritual disciplines, if, if you're, you're, you, these are all the things that you've heard about all these times, we want to keep the end, the goal in mind. And so what we've talked about as part of this series and the reason why it's called Inclined is that the goal is to seek to see our hearts be more and more inclined towards Christ. Because Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 2 says, those who are wise, their hearts are inclined a certain direction. And those who are foolish, 
their hearts are inclined a certain direction. The, the question isn't whether or not our heart is inclined. Everybody's heart is inclined a certain direction. Our goal is to be one of those whose hearts are inclined the right direction, okay? And so that's with all of these spiritual disciplines. What we want to seek to see is to know and love Christ Jesus more than anything else. And as we do that, our hearts will be inclined. We'll set it on default, and when we set things on default, we'll end up looking for and searching for and seeking him. If I'm at home and I'm not paying attention, but I just turn my brain on off, right, and I just go through the motions, I'll end up in one of two places. I'll end up at the refrigerator or in the recliner, okay? That's where I'm inclined towards. And in the same way, I want to make sure that my heart is inclined towards Christ. Or the pantry. The pantry, that's where the good snacks are. I might also end up in the pantry. So the refrigerator, the pantry, or the recliner. If I'm not intentional about it, that's where I'm going to end up. I'll be like, how did I end up here? Well, I'm inclined that direction. So we want to be inclined towards Christ. But even as we talk about that, and we're talking about these spiritual disciplines. Last week we talked about the Word of God and, and reading the Word of God and why we read the Word of God um, and why we search scriptures. I, I, I think that the way that I think of these spiritual disciplines is really from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And it's not going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look. And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Really, as we're talking about these spiritual disciplines, that's it. What we're doing is we're going to the ancient pathways. These are things that people have been doing for literally thousands of years, right? These are ancient pathways. And so we're returning to these ancient pathways and in that, our hope and our desire is to find rest in him, right? We want to know Christ Jesus and the power of his resurrection. We want to love Christ Jesus more, and that's what this is about. But even as we're doing those things, sometimes it's, it's easy in the midst of it to lose sight of the person of Christ as we're seeking Christ. Here's what I mean by that. If the spiritual disciplines are these ancient pathways, the right heart behind them would be to be like Zacchaeus. Right? That he wants to see Jesus. And yet the crowds are too much, he can't see him. And so instead what he does is he runs ahead on the path, climbs a tree, just seeking to see Jesus. He's not seeking to see the pathway. The pathway isn't the end in and of itself, but instead he looks at the path and he figures this is where the path leads and most likely Jesus will come along this path. And so he runs ahead of the crowds, he climbs the tree, and he seeks Jesus where Jesus is likely to pass by. That's the way we should approach the spiritual disciplines. In our prayer, in our worship, in our reading of the word of God, the word of God is not the end in and of itself. It is to help us to know and love Christ Jesus. And you are very likely, as you open the scriptures, to see Christ Jesus there. And so just as you open the word, it's not, you don't read it in order to be more spiritually mature. You read it to know Christ Jesus. 
right? You hope to see him, and you are likely to see him there. So every time you open the word of God, open it with that intention. Picture yourself like Zacchaeus. This is a path where you are likely to encounter him. You are likely to see him. And run ahead and you climb the tree. And every time you pray, be just like Zacchaeus, calling out in order that Jesus might hear you. Right? And every time that you're worshiping, imagine yourself climbing the tree where Jesus is likely to pass by. The goal is to see Christ. And that's it. And if you approach it with the wrong idea, what will happen is we'll read the word of God to read the word of God. Right? Or we'll pray in order to pray. And then we'll be so focused on the prayer that we'll miss the one that the prayer is to. Right? Like if Zacchaeus would have been so focused on the path, he climbs the tree and he's watching that path, Jesus would walk right by. It's not for the path's sake, it's for Jesus Christ. It's the one who's walking the path. That's the one we want to encounter. And so even last week we talked about the word of God. It was with that intention in mind. It is not your spiritual maturity that you read the word of God for. It's to encounter Christ Jesus. And as you encounter Christ Jesus, he changes you by the power of his Holy Spirit and makes you a spiritually mature person. So watch for Jesus, not the path. Otherwise it's like going for a ride and spending the entire time examining your window shield. Your windshield, you're just looking at that instead of what's in front of it. The whole point is to see where you're going, not the windshield. So don't miss reality for the windshield. Okay, so this time we're talking about prayer today. So if you would grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and reach over and grab one this morning. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible that's in the seats is actually our gift to you this morning. And once you have your Bible... If you would open it up to the book of Psalms, if you have one of the church Bibles, it'll be on page 513. 513, we're going to be in Psalm 119 today. Psalm 119, which is a great psalm, um, long psalm, uh, but it's a whole big book or a big chapter just about the beauty of the Word of God, okay? Psalm 119, and the reason why it's so long is it goes through the Hebrew alphabet, and you can just go right through, and each of those begins a section about the beauty of the Word of God. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous chapter in Scripture, and I encourage you to do that. If you haven't done it yet, grab your phone, open it up to praise.fyi. You can go to the message notes there, tap on that, and you'll be able to follow along with the verses and also take notes there as well. In Psalm 119, page 513 in the Church Bibles, we are going to start reading in verse 33, verse 33. Here's what it says. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. What I love about this part of, as it's talking about the word of God, is right off the bat, he says, I don't want to just check box as I read the word of God, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to just read it in such a way that I'm like, okay, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to check mark this. I, instead, I want to go beyond that. I don't want to just fulfill or do what you've called me to do, but instead, here's what I want. I want to understand it that I might keep it, and he says, observe it with my whole heart, 
I want to observe it with every part of my heart. I want to love it. I want to desire it. I want to know it, but I don't want it just partially, and I don't want to go through the motions, and I just don't want to make it look good. I want to actually love it. I want to observe it with my whole heart, he says. And he says, um, he continues on, and he says, uh, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I want to love it. I want to not just know it and observe it. I want to delight in it. And then he continues on and he says this. And this is why we're here. He says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. He says, incline my heart toward your testimonies. And again, what we've got here is not either your heart is inclined or it's not. It's not either you follow the inclinations of your heart or you don't. It's your heart is either inclined one way or it's inclined a different way, right? Because he says, either my heart will be inclined towards your word, towards your testimonies, towards your promises, or it will be inclined towards selfish gain. He says it's either one or the other. And he goes, I don't want to be inclined towards selfish gain. So instead, I want to be inclined towards your testimonies. I want to be inclined towards your promises. I want to be inclined towards your words so that I'm not inclined towards selfish gain. And then he continues on. He says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. I don't want to be distracted by chasing after or seeing or desiring those things that are worthless. Instead, I want to find life in your ways. This is what he is saying. And what I love about this is that he's not just making a statement of the beauty of God's promise. Right? This is a passage. This is a whole book. This is a whole chapter about the beauty of God's word. But he's not just making a statement here. What is he doing? He's praying. He's crying out to God. He's saying, this is what I want and I don't have it. He says, this is what I want from you. Teach me, O Lord. Give me understanding. Lead me in this. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. He is asking God to help him to look the right direction. And it's a prayer. And in my own life, what I've found is that prayer must be a part of the battle for my own heart. Even last year, I was, on Wednesday night in our Bible study, we were doing a series called Satisfied. And as part of that, I was just really digging into what does it look like to be satisfied in Christ? What are the key pieces of this to find deep satisfaction in him? I wanted to know for my own sake. And so we were studying this. And we were studying it at the same time that we were also working through Hocus Focus on Sunday morning. Which was a series about the inner person and our relationship with Christ Jesus. And so all of this was going on at the same time. And as part of this series, what I found true of my own heart was that my eyes are too quick to look after worthless things. That too often, my eyes turn away from the 
real value of Christ Jesus, the surpassing value, as Paul calls it, of knowing Christ Jesus and the power of his resurrection, too often I look aside from that and my eyes turn to things that in reality are completely and totally worthless. This became a, I, I noticed it, I said, what a terrible thing this is of my own heart. And so how do I change that? Well, I start crying out to God. I said, God, change my heart. Incline my heart towards you, God. Incline my desires towards you. Show yourself of surpassing value in my own heart. And as I do that, God, turn my eyes aside from worthless things. And my crying out to him, I began to see it happen. Where worthless things that used to grab my attention no longer grab my attention. Prayer is a key piece of this puzzle. In fact, more times than not, when you read the word incline in Scripture, incline my heart, it is more often than not a prayer to God to change the direction of your heart than anything else. It's incline my heart. And in fact, we're going to stick in Psalms just because of the fact that you see incredible prayer all through it. For the most part, we'll be in Psalms today. And um, I want to read another one, but we could go all over the Bible and see this. But let's just flip like four or five pages to the right, and we'll see another one where there's a crying out to God of, incline my heart this direction, God. And, th and that's, um, it'll be in Psalm 141, four or five pages to the right. Uh, page 522, Psalm one, uh, 523, Psalm 141, verse 4. <laughs> page 627, uh, 523, Psalm 141, verse 4. Come on. Incline your ears to me. All right, here we go. Psalm 141, verse 4. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in the company with men who work iniquity. And let me not eat of their delicacies. What is this again? It's a prayer. Except it's a negative prayer. Whereas the other one, it was, God, do this for me. He says, here, help, help me not to do these things. He says, I don't want to incline my heart to evil. And he says, I don't even want to eat their delicacies. Have you guys ever eaten something that was so good, but it just ended up making you more hungry for more of the same thing? For me, it's crackers or cookies, or chips, or Oreos, or double stuff Oreos, or the vanilla double stuff Oreos. Can I get an amen? Right? Like, I have no idea what Turkish delight is. It sounds disgusting. They should have done Oreos in that C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, Why and the Witch in the Wardrobe, because that's it. You eat one Oreo, and it's not like it satisfies you. All it does is make you more hungry for more of it. Anything with salt, oh, I just want more of it. And I'll eat, like, okay, this is embarrassing, saltine crackers, okay? For whatever reason, saltine crackers, I'll eat one, and before I know it, I've eaten the entire sleeve of them. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like, what in the world just happened? And I want more at the end right? 
But here's what's happening here. I've eaten a delicacy that does not satisfy. It just makes me more hungry for it. And what this is saying is that when you eat those sorts of things, when you try those sorts of things, it will just incline your heart towards them. But ultimately, none of them will ever satisfy. So he says, incline my heart away from those things. Turn my inclinations, my default switch a different direction. God, help me in this. I don't even want to taste those delicacies. And what, again, is it? It's a prayer. Prayer must be, must be one of the main tools in our battle for our own heart that it might be inclined towards Christ Jesus. Prayer is a key piece, and yet I find this true of my generation. It is probably the thing that is most lacking. I think I find in my generation... The fact that we are completely unable to focus, especially in prayer. And isn't that sad when it's such a key piece of the puzzle of our own heart and loving and seeking and desiring him and being inclined towards him. You will never, never, never know more about somebody in relationship by not talking to them than by talking to them. You will always learn more about them through actually interacting with them. I know and I love Elizabeth, but I will never know her more by not talking to her than by talking to her. And so I encourage you in this. Prayer must be a key piece of the puzzle in knowing and loving Christ Jesus. And so I want to start today just by giving you a few pieces as part of prayer. And it's not going to be strategies and it's not going to be like um, techniques or anything like that. And, And I was thinking about this this week. I was adding up if I were to do a series just on prayer, how many weeks that series would be. And I got to 16 weeks. Okay, so like legitimately, there's a whole lot we could cover with this and we just don't have time. I just want to read a couple of Psalms instead. And so Um, We're not going to go that in depth. If you're interested in knowing more, if you go to praise.fyi, at the bottom of the notes, there's three books there that are all excellent books that I've read in the last four or five months, I would say. Uh, Last four or five months, all three books I highly recommend. I will say this. um, One of them is written by a Baptist, and two of them are written by Presbyterians. And so when you get to any section about prayer in the Spirit, their understanding of it is not going to be as in-depth as our understanding, okay? But with that said, and aside from that, let me just say each of these books are good. One of them's by Tim Keller, one of them's by Paul Miller, and the third one's by a guy named David Mathis. All three good, and they're at the, you got links to them if you want to go to that. Praise.fyi under message notes. For us, instead, we're just going to read a little bit about it, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. And so if you would flip back to the left, we're going to be on page... Uh, 510, Psalm 116. Psalm 116 today. Psalm 116. Here's what it says. Verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to me, Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. 
I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. The first thing I would say, and I just want to say a few, thing about, a few things about these couple of verses. The first thing I would say is God has called us to meet with him in the middle of our needs. That our God, in our salvation even, it's not about our ability, it's about our inability. And he meets us in the middle of that in Christ Jesus. And we recognize that insofar as our salvation is concerned. But then sometimes after we make it through that gate, we decide to approach him differently. As if afterwards, we have to have everything together as we approach him. At least I find this true of me, that so often what I do is I try to make sure that my prayers are prayers where all of the words are just right. And where I'm saying the right things. And that it's a proper prayer. What I see here is that our God has heard our voice and our pleas for mercy. A proper prayer is a prayer that comes to him in our inability. Right? If he is God Almighty, where should we meet with him? Not in our ability, but in our inability. We come to him with our needs, and this is what he wants from us. He wants us to come to him when we're desperate, and we're weak, and we're tired. And those are all the things that we're like, man, we got to get this in order before I come to him. Even in prayer, I do this regularly. Okay, i got to make sure I get three and a half cups of coffee before I get to prayer. And that's the wrong approach. Because he knows we're weak. And he knows we're tired, and he knows we're unable, and that's where he wants to meet with us. He wants to meet with us where he is almighty and we are all needy, right? We cry out for help, we call out for mercy. Why? Because he's the God who can meet that need, and that's where he wants to meet with us. Very specifically, he is the almighty God for a reason, because we need him. And we're desperate for him. And even if you read or read the stories of Jesus that Jesus told when he was talking about prayer, what was it that was in their prayer that he said, this is what prayer is like? He says it's like a widow who is desperate and needs something. And that's where she goes to the, it's not that she's got everything in order, it's just the opposite. It's that she's got nothing in order and she is totally and completely desperate for help. And the friend at midnight, he does not have what he needs. And so he goes to his friend and he knocks on the door. That's what it is. He wants us to come to him in the midst of our needs. Not having everything together. Just the opposite. It's when everything is apart that he would have us come to him. And so in our minds we think, okay, i got to pray this prayer just right. A prayer that is prayed just right is a prayer that is prayed to the almighty God in the midst of our weakness. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect, that's where he wants us to come to him. So don't think about having to have all your prayer proper. Some people will tell you to do that. I'm telling you just the opposite. Come to him when you don't know how to properly pray and just talk to him. Come to him in your need, not your strength. Come to him in your weakness. 
Because that's what I see in Scripture. He says, he has heard my voice. He has heard my pleas for mercy. And I will just mention this as well. For me personally, and this, this isn't like a technique. I'm not saying that because every person is different. For me personally, I have to pray audibly. I have to. Because everything up here is not clean and tidy. <laughs> okay? And it, I'm trying to make it clean. We want to see it clean. But I gave up on tidy a long time ago. Okay? That, that ship has long since sailed. But if I try to pray mentally only, and sometimes I do. Sometimes when you come and talk to me and I'm just staring at you, I'm praying already inside, okay? Because I have no idea what I'm going to say, all right? But, but often and most often in my personal prayers, I have to pray audibly. Because one second, if I don't, I'm mentally, one second I'm praying. And the next second, I'm thinking about the beautifulness of toothpaste. I'm having deep and profound thoughts about toothpaste. And what's incredibly sad is when you realize between the one second and the next second, 15 minutes have passed. What happened? So for me personally, just to make something concrete, just to make it so that I know that I'm actually talking to him and I'm keeping on track, I have to pray audibly, okay? I have to speak it out. I talk to him like I would talk to Elizabeth, but I speak, and that's me. I have to. You may be able to do it a different way, but for me, I have to be able to say it. And also for me, there is something about, in the confession of sins, speaking that. There's something about the realness of a sin that is confessed audibly. Pride, selfishness, calling things as they are, worthless things, saying it out loud. There's something real and concrete for me about that. And so for me, I do have to speak it audibly. And I know, I know, I know he has heard my voice. And more than that, I know he has heard my pleas for mercy. And it says right after this, even, if you look at the next verse, my voice and my pleas for mercy, verse 2, because he inclined his ear to me. This whole series we've been talking about, how do we ensure that our heart is inclined towards him? Last week, as we were talking about the word of God, how do we make sure that our ear is inclined towards his word. Our eye inclined towards his word. How do we make sure that that's the case? But here, listen. His ear is inclined to you. I can be in a room with dozens of people. And the moment my daughter, if she's in the room, I might not even know she's in the room. The moment my daughter says something, I can through all of it. It's this weirdest thing. And I don't know if it's just being a parent. I, I just have this ability to hear her voice in particular. My wife, I can hear her. We might be on the opposite end of the lobby, okay? 
and it might be that I hear her voice from, I can hear it. Why? Because my ear is inclined towards it, unless she's asking me to do something. Then it's just the opposite. My ear is inclined a totally different direction. But that's, what is that? It's having an ear that is inclined by relationship. I know my daughter's voice, and I hear it, and I know it, and I recognize it. And here's the thing about God. His ear is inclined to your voice. And in the throne room that is cluttered with voices, he hears and can cut through it all right to your voice. Why? Because you are his child. And if you are his child, his ear is inclined to your voice. And with the billions of voices that may be calling out at any particular moment, he hears and knows yours. His ear is inclined to your voice. What a beautiful thing that is. His ear hears your voice. And yet... We are so weak in this area. What does that say? Does it say that we don't believe it? Does it say that we don't value that fact? Does it say that it makes no impact? Because if we believe that promise to be true, boy, don't you think we would take advantage of it? It says, because his ear is inclined to my voice, or his, he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. I love the Psalms because sometimes they're subtle, most of the time they're not. I love this because it says, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. There's a little bit of an overkill in that. Because you don't need both because and therefore. You could just have because and it works. Because he has inclined his ear to me, I will call on him all the rest of my life, or all as long as I live. You could just have therefore. He inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. But it doesn't. It's got them both. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. You cannot read that and not understand what came first. You cannot read that and not understand who made the first move. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The calling on him is a result of the fact that he has inclined his ear to us. The first move was always his. Our prayers to him are a response to the fact that he has decided to listen in Christ Jesus. He always makes the first move in prayer. It's done. The question is, will we take advantage of it? 
Will we call on him all the rest of the days of our lives? Will we regularly go to him and talk to him and speak to him? But all of it will always be a response to what he has already done. I want to jump over to Hebrews. And this was just a passage that was in my personal study this week. I wanted to stay in Psalms, but I just couldn't because I was reading this passage. And I wanted to read it with you guys tonight, today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, what have we done so far in this passage? Nothing. This is all God. He opened the way. It was his body. He's the one blood was spilt, right? All of that's on him. He's the one who's doing this. He's the one who's making a new and living way. He's the one who's torn the curtain. It is all through his flesh. But since all of these things have happened, since we have a high priest, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He has done all of that. All we do is draw near. All we do is we cry out. All we do is in the midst of our needs and our weakness and our inability, we come to him and we meet with the almighty God. And your prayers do not need to be perfect. More often than not, I find my prayers to be weak and stumbling. And I'm good with that. Because I know that the prayer itself may be weak and stumbling. But the name of Jesus is not. And it's all about the name of Jesus. And very little about my prayer. And if I come in the name of Jesus, my prayer is like stumbling beggar approaching the throne room. And as it gets a little closer, those guards stiffen a little bit, stand at attention, and then my prayer whispers the name of Jesus and everything changes. They not only stand aside, but they open the doors as they do and bow. And that prayer enters right into the very throne room where God himself, his ear, is inclined towards it. That is your prayer. So don't get it all in order and make sure it's perfect and you're praying properly. Just come in the name of Jesus Christ. Because that's where he wants us to come. And for you, maybe you can pray in your mind and maybe you need to speak it out like I do. But whatever it is, meet him in the midst of your need where he is almighty God and you will see. You'll see him move. You'll see him change and work in your situation and certainly you will see him change your own heart. That's what he does. Back to Psalm 116. Because I think there's something here that I've skipped over a couple of times now. But in the midst of us coming to him in our needs, I, I just, 
I love this. That the end of it is love. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The natural end of praying to the Lord is loving him more. As we come with our weakness, as we come with our needs, as we meet with the almighty God in the name of Christ Jesus, our love for Jesus Christ increases. We're, all we're doing in our prayers is we are setting ourselves on the road where Jesus Christ is likely to pass by. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 41 says that this is what it's like. It's like lifting our heart up to God. Isaiah 64 7 says it like this. It's rousing ourselves to lay hold of the Lord. And that's a good way to think of it. My favorite way to think of it is Psalm 61. Here's what Psalm 61 says, verses 1 through 3. It says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. <laughs> this is it. Our prayers lead us to the rock. But we will not know him as the rock unless we have known him as our strong tower and refuge. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge and my stronghold. If we do not run to Christ Jesus as our refuge and our stronghold, then we will never know him as the rock that is higher than I am. And so as we talk about prayer, the ultimate end of prayer, yet again, is knowing and loving Christ Jesus more. And he wants us to come and meet him in the midst of our weakness and inability and what we cannot do where he can. And he says, take your cares and cast them upon me. And in the midst of that, you will know and love me more. Oh, this is a beautiful thing. His ear is inclined to us. He hears our cries. He hears our pleas for mercy if they are in the name of Christ Jesus. So today, here's what I want to encourage you in. Run to him as your refuge. Run to him as your strong tower against the enemy. And you will know him as the rock that is higher than I. And what I love about this story of Zacchaeus is that he was seeking to just see Jesus. But instead, he got to have supper with Jesus. Right? Like he put himself along the path where Jesus was likely to go, hoping to just see him. See, we might just be hoping for a glimpse, but in the midst of those prayers, instead we'll get his glory. 
And we might be seeking just to see him, but in reality, we will sup with him. So seek him. Cry out to him. Bring your prayers to him, though they may be weak and stumbling, and in the name of Christ Jesus, just come to him. And in the midst of that, you will know him and love him more. The end of prayer is knowing and loving Christ Jesus all the more. So in this discipline, don't do it for the wrong reasons. Don't be so focused on your prayers that you miss the one that the prayers are to or miss the one that the prayers are in the name of, but instead look for Christ. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, that if you bring those in the name of Christ Jesus, his ear is inclined to you. Would you stand with me today? I just want to invite you, if you're in here, and we're going to end our service in just a moment. And before we do, I always want to do this. Because we talk about the rock that is higher than I, right? The strong tower, the refuge of Jesus Christ. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then all of this, you're missing it, right? Because it is only in the name of Jesus Christ that we can come. And it all begins in our weakness and inability. We don't clean ourselves up and come to God, but instead, in the midst of our weakness and our dirtiness and our own failings, we come and just cry out, Jesus Christ, and we can be saved. And so this morning, even as we go to him in prayer, I want to invite you, if you're in here and you've never done that, today is the day to call on his name. And today is the day to say, Jesus Christ, and only Jesus Christ, and you can know that salvation. And so this morning, before you go, don't miss this opportunity to know him, to to meet him today. In fact, I'm going to pray a prayer, and as I pray that prayer, I'm just going to confess him as Lord, because scripture is clear that if we confess him as Lord, if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. So I'm going to just confess him as Lord of my life, and I would invite you to do the same with me today, and just to speak it out, and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that scriptures are true of him, that he is who he said he is, and you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now that even as I am speaking, you are inclining. You are turning your ear towards our voices this morning. And I don't have to doubt that. It is by faith in the name of Jesus Christ that I know it to be the case. So today, what is happening in this place is not just happening in this place. It is happening in the very throne room of God. And so I thank you for that, that confidence that I have in Jesus and only in Jesus today. Father, I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that you by your Holy Spirit would call and speak to hearts this morning. And those who are far from you, that they might call on the name of Jesus this morning. That they would recognize that you made the first move. You always make the first move. You've already been calling and drawing them. But this morning, I just pray right now for your Holy Spirit to make it so obvious that you are calling them specifically right now in this moment. Father, I just pray 
that they would recognize in their own hearts their need for a Savior, their need for Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. Father, I do confess you again as Lord of my life. You are Lord. You are above all. You sit in the supreme seat on my heart today. And I thank you for that because you are Lord. And I confess you as Lord this morning. And I do believe in my heart that you raised, were raised from the dead. I believe that you are who you said you were. And I thank you that you are living today and working today. And you are interceding for us today. I thank you for that this morning. Father, I just pray for each and every one of our hearts. Pray that you would call each of us this week. And in our prayers, in our times alone, may we truly converse with you. I don't know what it says about us. I don't know what it says about us if we do not come to you every single day. If we don't come and say, oh God, I have an opportunity to speak with you. I don't know if it's just unbelief. I don't know if it's hearts that are chasing after other things. But right now, help incline our hearts towards you, towards your word, towards your promises, and turn our eyes away from worthless and foolish things, oh God. Help us to have eyes for you. Help us to not even taste the delicacies aside from you, but instead to taste and see that you are good and in all of these things desire you more and more. I thank you for it. Thank you for inclining your ear to us and thank you for the wonderful and incredible name of Jesus Christ by which we can come. The name of Jesus by which we know you have heard our prayers. The name of Jesus by which we know we are saved. We thank you for it. We praise you. And we ask this all in the precious and holy name of Jesus.